Lean forward slightly. Look straight at the speaker. And listen with a sparkle in your eye. As though you might be thinking, gee, this is the most wonderful thing I've ever heard in all my life. Straight out of the burbs of L.A., this is So I Married a Movie Geek. What's up, Movie Geeks? Welcome to So I Married a Movie Geek. My name is Justin Winters. Happy New Year. It is officially 2018. This is our first episode of the year, and it's also our first fantasy movie draft of the year. Get excited, because for this movie draft, we're already taking a look back at 2017. So, yeah, there was no time there in between. But I thought a draft would be a great way to uh, take a different look at, at some of the best, and you know, I'm sure we'll talk about some of the worst maybe at the end of the year in film in 2017. And to do so, I'm doubly excited because we have all new drafters tonight. I uh, I have two kids under five years old, so I don't get to see as many movies in the theater as I like. So when I was looking for for new people to join the draft, I went for some people that I knew saw a lot of movies just due to their podcast. So first up. Um, I want to introduce two guys from the Podfix Network, um, who I've been looking forward to having on the draft for a long time. So um, we have from In Session Film, Brendan and JD. What's up, guys? Hey, thanks for hey. having us. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me, Justin. I am so excited to be here. You have no idea. I've been looking forward to this for a long time <laughs> um, for a couple reasons. One, I love your show, so I wanted to get yes. that out of the way, especially these draft episodes are a ton of fun. And also, living in Florida, we don't get a winter here, and it makes me sad, so <laughs> I am glad to be among the winters himself, <laughs> Mr. Uh, Justin Winter. So thanks for having us. How yeah. long did it take you to come up with that, JD? <laughs> I've been I've been sitting on that for at least two months. Now. <laughs> J- JD's been messaging me for a while about being on a draft. There's a certain draft he's asked yes. for that I'm sure I'm gonna we're yeah. gonna get to sometime in 2018. Uh-huh. But mm. I, I you know I listen to your podcast occasionally when you guys cover things I've seen. And like I said at sure. the beginning, I don't get to go go into a movie theater as much as I would like to. But I know you guys see a lot of mm-hmm. stuff, so I'm excited to have you guys yep. on the draft. Yeah, Thank you. yeah, we're it's great to, to be here, here man. Um and and joining you is is another guy I know who sees a ton a ton of movies. Uh, he has a podcast by the name of Nick's Best Picture Podcast. Matt, what's going on, man? How you doing? Hey, everybody, how's it going? Um, this is the first draft of my entire life. What <laughs> he's ever been a part of? <laughs> wow, I've never done fantasy football. I've never. <laughs> Nothing. I've never. I've never even done movie drafts before. I'm, wow. I'm dead serious. I just. So we know I, who's I, gonna I lose never, here. I, you know what it is? It's like to me. It's like I don't want to. I want to stick to what I'm good at, and what I'm good at is predicting the Oscars. Not so much picking films that I think are gonna perform oh, well. And watch Matt category. win this draft. That's the exact watch same Matt thing. Watch Matt win this draft. <laughs> well, you know, most people tend to think of it like you know what it is the award season race is so random. So well, early on, you'll have like this idea, thinking to yourself like, "Oh, Mother's going to do really, really well in so many categories. It's got to do well in at least sound, right?" And then, sure enough, doesn't get a mention all season. So if that was part of your draft, you lose. I'm not taking that risk. <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't know, but think of it this way. I mean, a lot of what you do over it was as far as predicting Oscars, there's a lot of marketability that comes in there, you know, a lot of predictions in that side of things. Yeah. So think of it as like predicting what the most popular potential best picture nominees would be. And in this case, we're kind of yeah. looking at popularity here. So in some ways, Matt, you might actually have an edge uh, <laughs> that you should definitely carry with yeah. you. Don't don't build him up, Brendan. Don't don't do that. I'm trying to be nice. <laughs> if there's anything you should know, I'm too nice of a guy. This is gonna play out like a scene of Molly's game, and you're gonna out bluff me, dude. <laughs> oh man. Well, like I said, the three of you on Twitter, at least when I'm following you guys around, I'm like, man, they saw another movie. This they they need to school me in a 2017 film because I assume going down the line, you guys. We still got a couple days to go. We're taping this a little bit before this releases, of course. But how many do you guys have totals of how many movies you've seen in 2017? I do. Uh oh. What? Tell me. Uh, so it's less than it was last year, mm-hmm. which uh, for me was the goal because my team grew this year. So I need. I yeah. was very very happy. Uh, but the number is still, in my opinion, pretty strong. Um, my number is currently at 127. Whoa. Wow. JD, Brendan, you got numbers? What, how, many, how many have you guys seen? I, I'm not exactly sure on new releases. I, I don't necessarily keep track of those numbers, but according to Letterboxd, I saw in, a, in, in total around 260 films this year, and Jeez, I'd say please. at least half of that was probably new releases or close to it, 40 45% was new releases. So yeah. I'm not too far off from that. My, my number was new releases. I just want to clarify. <laughs> yeah, 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 sure. <laughs> I think we got yes. that. <laughs> Brendan, are yeah. you are you around the same? How about you? Um, no, I'm a little bit on the lower end as far as new releases. I think I'm at um, probably around 108 if I last checked. I have a list running on Letterboxd of all the movies I've seen and at least logged up you know, for the for the year of 2017. And there's still a list of uh, ones I still want to catch up with before the year actually closes. Before JD and I get to our top ten list of the rest of of the of the year, um, but I think it's around 107, 108 around that range. Okay. So I've been I've been watching movies the past week like on as fast as I can to try to catch up. I'm never going to catch up with any of you guys, but it's mm. going to be interesting drafting since I've probably seen like a fifth or, or a sixth of the number of new releases <laughs> that you guys have. So, um, but Matt, don't don't be afraid of the draft. Like I said, it's it combines fantasy sports drafts, but you really don't need to know anything about sports or anything to know that. We're basically taking all of 2017 in film, putting it in a hat, and then drawing from that hat one by one. And at the end, we want the best team of five movies because we're doing five rounds tonight. So mm. I think it's going to be fun, guys. I'm excited to have so you guys involved. So the emoji film. Got it. So, um, wow. Awkward silence when you said that, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and the best thing about the draft, and this being the first one in 2018, is... Uh, it's all about competition, and you know, throwing a little dirt uh, in, in 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 your co- competitor's eye. So I, I heard a little shit talking before we even started. So I'm excited to get started right now. Let's let's go ahead and do it, guys. So the first draft of the year that we're gonna do is the 2017 fantasy movie draft. Nerd! Hey, what's this lying around shit? What is wrong with you? What's wrong with all of you? You guys stink. Sometimes you gotta say, what the fuck? Make your move. But it ain't about how hard you hit. 
It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. I want you to play dirty if you have to, but don't get caught. Go for the ribs. Don't let that bastard breathe. Concentrate, focus, power. Remember, balance, make coup fight. Keep your heads up. Play proud. Game over! JD, you picked the draft order tonight. Uh, yeah. You picked myself going first, Matt going yes. second, Brendan going third, and you going fourth. Was there any uh, reasoning behind that? What was the strategy? Uh, yeah, there was uh, some reasoning to it. Um, because this draft works um, in the snake format, um, that means I'm going to get to two picks um, up front, uh, especially when we're you know, going after those strong films early on. And so um, those first two rounds, uh, I think, are very important. And so yeah. I think getting to go back to back is going to work in my favor. So I figured I will let you guys kind of fight it out with those first three to give myself a chance to strategize, but come on strong with those t- first two picks. Um, and so that was mostly what I was thinking by putting myself last there mm. in that first round. Okay. When, before we get to to the first pick, which is my pick, w- overall uh, as a year, what did you guys think of 2017 in terms of film? Better better year. Um, mm, a lot of yeah, people say it goes I, I, in cycles of of twos or threes uh, by the years in terms of high quality. What do you guys think? Yeah, I, I was very low this year uh, personally, which is weird because I ha- I gave more. I, I do grades out of ten. And I gave more nines this year than I did last year. Um, but the thing for me with this year in particular was that it was very, very back heavy. And the first, easily the first seven, eight months of the year, it was very, very tough to like really highlight anything. Um, you had to dig down really, really deep to find stuff. I, I remember for like the longest time, uh, thinking to myself how is it possible that the lego batman movie is the only solidly good animated film i have seen this year you know and then the summer blockbuster season started and we all know how many write-ups there were on that and how bad uh this summer blockbuster season was and i don't know i felt like the first half of the year really just weighed down um much of the year even though the back half has proven to be um you know as always quite special yeah, I think it's pretty interesting, uh, especially when we look at last year, 2016, which I think had one of the worst uh, summer movie seasons that we've had in the past couple of years. I will say I think 2017 had a better summer movie season, um, maybe not quite as consistent as maybe some other years in the past. Uh, but some of the films that we'll talk about potentially on this draft, much like last year, some great films came out in the March, maybe the April time frame, maybe even perhaps the February time frame. Like you're saying, Matt, it's just... You got to know where to look, and once the competition really starts to roll out, when we get to the end of the year here, when you know Oscar season more specifically, if we want to put a label on it, there have been some pretty high quality films. Maybe not quite as seamless or consistent as years past, but knowing where to look, I think makes 2017 a pretty dang good year. At least if I do say so myself. Yeah, and I'd say I'm in Brendan's camp in a lot of ways where comparatively to last year or 2015 overall, I don't know if 2017 is quite as strong and that's just my instinctual gut feeling on that. 
I do think that my top 15 or so, I, I would certainly take that up, up against any other top 15 I've had over the last five years. I think the very good films of the year, I think, stand on their own in some great ways. I don't know if the depth beyond that is quite there as we've seen in the last few years. Where I'll slightly differ from Matt is I do think that the summer overall was much more consistent in terms of giving us films that were satisfying at the very least. And comparatively to last year and a few other years we've seen in this decade, we just haven't seen that when you get films like wonder woman and war for the planet of the apes and Logan lucky and baby driver. And, and not to say that all of those films are great, but I would at least classify them as satisfying. And to get that from week to week is, um, sad to me that the box office doesn't necessarily reflect that because I do think that overall in terms of quality, it was actually pretty good, especially compared to last year. So um, I just hope that the box office starts to reflect that going forward. I mean, we'll, we'll obviously see on that, but um, I, you know, I, I thought the summer actually was pretty good for mainstream films. It was the indie circuit in the summertime that was very hit or miss for me, but like Matt said, came on real strong once the fall hit. And um, yeah, I mean, the last two months has been riches for cinephiles. All right. All right. Well, let's get to it, guys, with round one. So like I said, JD picked the order. He picked me to go first, which I think is like a first mm -hmm. in forever. Uh, I didn't know what to do. <laughs> uh, I, again, I, I, I feel awkward uh, being up against these guys who have seen pretty much every movie. Uh, or way more movies than me. So this in a true head versus heart situation, I uh, I had five movies that I thought um, that I could pick from for this first pick. And I'm like, you know what? I got to go with heart with this one. It's the first, okay. it's the first draft of the year. I'm going to piss a lot of people off, but <laughs> anyone who knows me and has listened to the last uh, couple episodes, know there's a, a certain movie that is just deep inside my heart right now due to the fact that it just came out recently. So I'm going to take with the first pick, uh, The Last Jedi, guys. I knew it. <laughs> okay. <Yeah. laughs> nice hype up with that. I had no idea it was yeah. coming. <laughs> I'm, if, if, I'm very predictable, guys. So, um, yeah. So I, I haven't listened to any other podcasts about The Last Jedi, but... Mm -hmm. it, it surprised me guys it surprised me um it, it made me emotional did everybody i cried several times <laughs> uh and then i came out and got into fights with people who said that i was the the antichrist for for loving it so much yeah so. those people seriously need to calm down it, like this, yeah, this is not sure. you know I, I i i'm sorry i get really really upset when people try to take down a movie um, especially one that has surpassed um, our common sense knowledge of what is considered good in yeah. this world. Yeah, um, yeah. It, that just really, oh, man, I can't even. I can't even begin with that. The, the, those people really need to get a grip. Seriously. Yeah. yeah, I think it just proves the point. Star Wars fans are potentially the worst movie fans in the world, and I said that during our review. Of yeah, it. yeah, and there's there's been some great articles released lately where. We've seen some journalists tackle this and talk about how nostalgia and fandom obscure um, objectivity, like you're talking about, Matt. I mean, because there are objective, very good things about The Last Jedi that people are clearly skipping over because they're emotionally upset. And, and, and it's fair to be emotionally upset, but 
like you said, you have to calm down and look at the grand scope of things. And it's not the disaster that fans will make it out to be. It's just not. It's 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 almost like a, a good portion of the population wasn't paying attention to the Last Jedi or the themes involved in it, and their response mm-hmm. is just I, I just can't. Ex- I don't know. I I don't know. I loved it. I'm I'm happy that we we got a a, a good Star Wars in my eyes. Uh, I saw it twice in two days, so that's why I took it first. There were lots of options. I agree with you guys. I I I thought it was a great year, and the fact that the summer was much better than. The last couple years, summer kind of uh, uh, just raised everything in my eyes for the year. So, Matt, you got the the second pick in round one. What are you going to go with with your first pick, sir? I'm going to go with the film that has a the highest letterbox rating and b the most passionate fan base on Twitter that, like the Star Wars fan base, pissed me off to no end this year. Simply because they have this love for this movie and everything else is utter and complete shit in their eyes. And that is Call Me By Your Name. Okay. Oh, wow. <laughs> I actually didn't I, I didn't expect that one. That, wait, this, Letterboxd? But, but here's the thing, though. Call me, Call me By Your Name is, is a really great movie. Like, it's a fantastic film with a miraculous performance by uh, Timothy Chalamet that, I mean everybody gave this praise to Casey Affleck last year for giving a quiet, internalized, very humanistic performance. Timothy Chalamet, I think, is better, which is like, for a 21-year-old, it, it just blew my mind. And there there are some really um, striking images within the film that Luca Guanino uh, really is able to capture. Uh, the music really, really helps with uh, conjuring up this intense feeling of passion you know i i got this sense when i was watching the movie like i i turned to a friend of mine and i was like like you know this isn't for me necessarily but i I, i'm turned on are you turned on like this is hot like this (laughs) like what is going on right now you know what i mean and i i was not expecting that at all uh but luca guanino the way he gets the performances out of his actors, the way he shoots it, the cinematography, it really does um, tap into, I think, something within uh, the human brain that ignites a sensual feeling while watching it. Um, and it, it, I'll tell you, man, power of cinema, my God. <laughs> Call me by your name. First round draft pick for me. And And this is kind of weird because that's a movie that Brendan and I haven't had a chance to review on the show yet, at least at the time of this recording. Yeah. Um, so this is awkward, Brendan, because I have to briefly talk about this. And so I'm going to spoil my thoughts here, but oh man, uh, I, I'm with you in a lot of ways, Matt. This is a very good film and not just Chalamet's performance. I will go to bat for Army Hammer any day in this film. And Michael Stahlberg's speech at the very end of this film. Oh, don't even get me started. It is <laughs> breathtaking. So, so wait a minute, guys. So, uh, it's it's next on my I, I got a stack full of screeners that I've been going through and it's definitely next on my mm-hmm. list but I just don't think enough people have seen it yet and that's the problem with taking it I guess in the first round is oh oh believe me it won't stop certain people from voting for <laughs> no. it trust me I, I, I think we're at that point now where not a lot of people yeah. have seen it but once we actually start allowing people to vote on our respective five films I think we're going to be at yeah. a point where people start recognizing its prestige and by that point I think Matt has a good pick there. 
I, I, I am very intrigued that the director is doing uh, Suspiria next. That's that's pretty crazy. Uh, Matt, are you mm. excited about that after this movie? Hell yeah. I mean, Luca Guadagnino is a director of that um, with I Am Love and A Bigger Splash, um, which criminally uh, has an awards-worthy turn by Ray Fiennes that nobody paid attention to. Um yeah, I, I'm I'm very, very, very intrigued by whatever he does next. Uh, I, I think that this film in particular um, is one that, you know, for, 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 for gay cinema is something that uh, could even be considered potentially uh, a better film than Moonlight, than Carol. I, I, I really wow. do think that this Oof. movie uh, stands out in a very significant way. Just because of, like I said, the sen- the, the the senses and the feeling that it ignites within people, and clearly so, as like I was saying, it has a very, very, very passionate fan base. All right. Well, call me by your name with Matt's first pick in round one, which means Brendan, we're up with your first pick. What man, do you got, man? This is hard because when we're at this point now, as you were saying earlier, Matt, we uh. And and as well as you, Justin, uh, we're we're at that point where we have to kind of weigh out the pros and cons between battling with our heads versus our hearts. Uh, because honestly, some of the movies that I'm probably going to take pretty early on in my draft picks here, these are movies that might not even make my top ten or even my top twenty of the year. I just recognize that there is a notoriety to them, and I'm not necessarily doing that with my first pick. I've decided that for my first pick, I'm picking one of the most entertaining films of the year. Uh, One of the best directorial debuts that we've seen all year, as well as in the past couple of years. And arguably one of the best social commentaries we've gotten all year. And that's Jordan Peele's Get Out. So that's yeah. that's my first pick here. There's a lot of other ones that I was wrestling with for my first pick. In fact, I would not be surprised if one of these two JD goes with next because I know him very well, and I would not be surprised <laughs> by that. Um, but needless to say, kind of like with what you were talking about there, Matt, with Call Me By Your Name, Jordan Peele's Get Out has not just a fan base behind it, but such a following in the way that it satirically addresses its social commentary on not just race but interracial marriage and interracial relationships and it actually has the balls to address that as a simple elephant in the room those of us uh amongst maybe what we want to call white privilege you know we say to ourselves that this is an issue that we are very much aware of and we are very much fully supportive of this progressive time that we live in yet at the same time we're still very much acknowledging that that is still a presence in our time. So doesn't that kind of indirectly address it as an elephant in the room? And it kind of goes back on our argument. There are, the, there are a lot of notions that Get Out brings up, and I have to applaud Jordan Peele's script writing here and the amazing performances and the ludicrousness in the film's uh, plotting and where it actually goes, that it still maintains that point it's trying to make. And I think it is very daring in that. And I think because of that, I wanted to pick this film... Because I think it's going to stand the test of time in years to come, and I think it came out at very much the right time. So that's why Get Out is my first pick. Great pick, Brendan. Great pick. Uh, I agree. <laughs> Something tells uh, me that was JD's forget- first pick, and I'm sorry. I, I will. Yeah, I will admit it was among 
the five I have written down here as far as, you know, what I wanted to go with early. Um, and I agree with everything you're saying, Brennan. I mean, it's a fascinating film for those reasons you're talking about. And I know I have said this countless times over the course of this last year and I will die on this hill, but yeah, Lil Rel Howie for me, best supporting actor of all time. In that film. <laughs> <laughs> As uh, motherfucking A. <laughs> exactly. I couldn't, you know what? Amazing. I couldn't imagine the movie without him because he, you know, when it's like deep and dark and then he pops up, you're just like, oh God, he's like a life raft among like everything. He he was great. He's so good. Yeah. Um, he, he he is. And I, and I think the magic of his performance, hyperbole aside, he is really funny and it doesn't take away from the horror of the film. And, you know, and it's no. interesting because Jordan Peele has said himself, this isn't a comedy and, and it isn't, it is a horrifying situation that the central character is going through, but the way Peele is able to interject that humor through Howie's character is so, uh, uh, it's so attainable and it's, and it is yeah. funny and it's, and it's biting and it never, undermines the dramatic core of the yep. film and that's what's so brilliant about it yeah it's because his character is still so darn likable so you actually have yeah. something to root for you have something to emotionally gravitate towards which actually maintains the dramatic underbelly of the film so little touches like that that show how restrained the film actually still is and i think that is a real testament to peel's writing and directing and that's great stuff an amazing piece of work uh get out uh, good pick, Brendan. JD, you got the last pick of round one. What are you going to go with your okay. first pick, dude? Yeah, so with my first pick in this draft, I'm going to go with a film similar to what Matt was talking about with Call Me By Your Name. This has a passionate fan base as well. Um, and hopefully by the time this episode goes live, more people um, would have seen it because it's currently in theaters right now. Um, and I'm going with Guillermo del Toro's The Shape of Water. Nice. Um, a film that I quite love. On our show, I talked about how this is not only one of my favorite films of 2017, but um, it's probably my second favorite del Toro film behind Pan's Labyrinth, um, his masterpiece from 2006. And um, yeah, Sally Hawkins gives a mesmerizing performance in this film without saying a word she conveys loneliness and sympathy which is so visceral and i love how she taps into that throughout the film and that connection she does have with this sea creature of all things it's amazing and i love how del toro doesn't hold back in showcasing that there is some scenes in this film that's going to turn some people off because you have a pretty intimate romance between a human and a non-human being. And uh, I love how Del Toro doesn't hold back in all of that. I think it, uh, it makes the film as romantic as it is, as well as Alexander Desplat's score, which I think is one of the best of the year. The cinematography, the green and blue hues you see throughout the film, I think is very beautiful and evocative. I mean, the cinematography and the costuming and the design of this film is exactly what you would expect from Del Toro. And I, I just love how Del Toro fully embraces the fairy tale elements of this film as you would expect from him. His fingerprint is all over it. And that's what I love so much about it. It's, it's such a, a wonderful film that I cannot recommend enough. And, and I do think it's one of the best of the year. Um, Shape of Water is my first pick. 
for this draft. I just I just watched this this morning, guys. It's 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 awesome. It's a great movie. Thank uh, you to hear. Yeah, so glad yeah. to hear that. Michael Michael fucking Shannon, dude. God, that guy. He's amazing. <laughs> he he is like yeah. He he can play a villain better than anyone I've I've ever seen in the past ten he years. He's great. Yeah. And I love how Del Toro yeah. takes the time to give a villainous character like that a few added layers so he's not fully just a typical stock character. While he is a bit of a stock character here, there is an understanding to why he actually behaves that way, which makes him a bit more mm-hmm. fascinating. I wouldn't say multidimensional, just more fascinating. And I love those little layers there, and that's what makes yeah. like, Del Toro's writing here so on point, because he didn't need to go that route, and that's why it's so intimate and loving in the end. Like he's got, and it's not he, just with Shannon's character, it, it's literally with every everyone. They each have an arc, and it's so yeah. well done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Michael Stolberg, we brought him up earlier. Yeah. Very good in this film yeah. as well. But in Richard all the movies, James, I mean, oh what man. Movies was he in this year? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Too many. Um, but yeah, a, amazing, <laughs> amazing movie, The Shape of Water. Seek it out, everyone in the theater, uh, if you get a chance. Uh, great pick, JD, which means, hey, it's already round, round two. Round two. Which means, JD, we're snaking around. You just picked The Shape of Water. You also got the first pick in round two. What are you going with, man? Okay, so this is where things get a little bit more difficult because Brendan stole what was going to be my number two for this. You're welcome. uh, um, And it's hard because I have some films that are high on my personal top ten list that I don't know how many people have seen them at this point. So it's hard to justify picking them here. Um, So... For my pick in round two, I'm going to go with a film that I still quite love. It's easily one of my favorite films from this director, and I think it's one of the most entertaining films we got this summer, and I'm going to go with Christopher Nolan's Dunkirk, um, an art film that was masked as a blockbuster. <laughs> I'm not exactly sure how he pulled that off, but um, I love what he does here with time and how he plays with time, something we've seen Nolan do a lot, but um, I think he makes it very captivating here. And I love how bold Nolan is with his choices. I mean, this isn't a narrative film by any means. You don't get to know any of these characters. Um, And I think that's what I respect about the film is that it's an experience. You experience what these characters are going through. You feel what these characters are going through. Um, And I think that comes through in Nolan's filmmaking and with the subtle performances we get in this film. I mean, Tom Hardy is going, um, Tom Hardy's not going to be nominated for his performance here, but there's so much he's doing with just his eyes because that's literally all we see. And I think he makes that work. I think you're able to tap into his psyche and what he is experiencing in that cockpit um, that I find really incredible. And I think it's a big reason why the conclusion of his arc in that third act is breathtaking to me. It is so beautiful to see that spitfire and what that character is accomplishing there as the film concludes. Um, and there's a shot on the beach that I think is one of the best uh, uses of symbolism um, we saw in 2017. It is absolutely remarkable. So um, I know that this film isn't going to be for everybody because it is, like I said, it, it, it's really more of an art film masked as a blockbuster, but um, the the sound design and the cinematography and, and what Nolan accomplishes here is pretty spectacular. So um, yeah, I, I think it's 
easily one of the best films of the year. It's my second pick. What does everybody think about that pick? I'm upset because I was potentially <laughs> going to do that next. Um, <laughs> no, and, 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 I, I think it's the I, I think it's the directorial achievement of the year. Personally. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. D- D- Dunkirk, I, I I am tempted to say is Nolan's best film, but uh, that title for mm. me is still Memento. Uh, That's my I, favorite I, okay. of his. Yeah, yeah. I would put Dunkirk as his, as his second best film because uh, the screenwriting achievement on Memento for me trumps the directorial achievement of yeah that's Dunkirk. fair yeah yeah but I, well i just think i mean how 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 long was the screenplay for dunkirk it, it had to be super short so well apparently nolan had said he actually wanted to shoot the movie without a script uh, yeah. that basically just he just had maybe a few storyboards or something and that's how he wanted to shoot the movie um and i don't know if he was unallowed to do that or if he found some technical restrictions that that made it almost too difficult for him. I'm not sure what the reasoning for that was, but Mark Rylance like comes to the room and tells Christopher Nolan, "There's no hiding from the sun." And Nolan's just like, "Write your own dialogue," because all you. <laughs> I feel like yeah. I feel like Nolan's one of those directors that just likes to up the difficulty level on on his video games, like just just for the fun of it. Just like I'm gonna challenge myself here. Doot, 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 doot. Yeah, so, uh, basically yeah. that's how he. That's how. That's he exactly how he directs. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but I love Dunkirk as well. I think it's uh, I think it's one of those films that really does work because we actually don't get inside these characters' heads. It actually allows the film to be just as emotionally immersive as it is visually immersive, and I think that's a very tricky thing to pull off. And I think Nolan does it almost perfectly well. And, and I also think it's important to know about Dunkirk and how it's very much the antithesis to a lot of war films in the sense that this film is about failure. It's about turning away from your enemy and trying to survive another day, which I think amplifies some of the actions we see from the civilians and and even Tom Hardy's character as well. I love how there is a juxtaposition there in that, but at the heart of the film, it's it's really just about trying to bring these guys home, right? It's about how these guys failed in France and they just need to get home to continue the the war essentially. And most war films do not set out to to accomplish that. And I, I think the way Nolan achieves that through his direction and again, that sensory storytelling, it's, it's a masterclass it's in great. filmmaking. It's wonderful. Fail, failure. Also a, a great theme in my first pick, the last Jedi guys. So there you I go. I agree. There yeah, you go. That's yeah. something I love about that film too. <laughs> Brendan, you got your, your second pick. Uh, you picked get out in round mm-hmm. one. What are you going for round two? Well, there is a bit of a theme, I guess, brewing between my first two picks now, and I was actually surprised that my co-host JD didn't pick this movie that I'm going to take, but I picked Get Out being one of the best directorial debuts of the year, but also in the past couple years. Well, I'm going to do that again with a little-known actress named Greta Gerwig, and I'm going to go with Lady Bird. I hate California. I want to go to the East Coast. I want to go where culture is, like New York, or at least Connecticut or New Hampshire, where writers live in the woods. Get into those schools anyway. Mom! You should just go to City College. You know, with your work ethic, just go to City College and then to jail, and then back to City College, and then maybe you'd learn to pull yourself up and not expect everybody to do everything. Dude, you have no idea. God (laughs) damn it, Brandon. (laughs) I'm sorry. See, uh, and that's and that goes back to what I was saying prior to picking Dunkirk. I love Lady Bird, and I wanted to pick it. I just don't know if it has the fan base that oh, it does. Dunkirk. Has. I think and, it and does. Maybe, that's why I, I'm I going could be with wrong. it. Sure, 
And it's okay. not even just the fact that it's one of the most positive reviewed movies on Rotten Tomatoes of all time until one <laughs> critic decided that a B minus was actually a negative review. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> I, 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 it's, it, there's just something so palpable and relatable about Lady Bird, even though it has such a specific central character that has her own problems that we can't relate to maybe directly, whether it be uh, within the constraints of the Catholic school system or the fact that she is a young teenage girl. You know, in some ways, it does remind me a bit of Moonlight, just a very tonally different movie that somehow the writer and director is able to create an experience that is so specific Yet we find a way to relate to every single aspect of it. And in the case of Lady Bird, while there are a lot of traditional elements to it as it relates to classic coming-of-age tales, and that's not a bad thing. You know, there is something very relatable about that uh, genre and storytelling in and of itself already. But Greta Gerwig understands that one of the biggest things we go through as teenagers is we simply just want to be recognized and noticed for being special and above average. And that's something that uh, Lady Bird herself, as she calls herself uh, very uh, appropriately, she just wants to be seen that way. And that artistic venture that she has also helps amplify her intelligence, that she actually is a very smart character, and perhaps even a bit too smart. And I actually kind of like that battle that she has with her parents because of that which goes into her relationship with her mother, played by Laurie Metcalf, which I think is one of the best mother-daughter relationships we've seen on film in the past couple of years because it is so jarring and how they go back and forth. There is such realism in that. So there is something so beautifully authentic in this film, and I have to really applaud Greta Gerwig, not just in her writing. She's been known as a solid writer before, working with Noah Baumbach, but in her choice to direct this movie and taking the reins to do so, it's wonderful. It's one of the best films of the year, and I think there's a fan base out there that supports that decision. So I had to pick it in my draft. Well, I'll, I'll say this, Brennan. If I end up losing this draft because Lady Bird does have the audience that you guys are arguing and, and you end up winning, I would have never been happier to lose. <laughs> you have good reasons that. for it. Because of a movie like this that we are both so high on, it's, it, it's, yeah. a, it's a welcoming defeat. Yeah, absolutely. I, yeah. I mean, if, if a movie causes a young person to fall in love with Crash Into Me by Dave Matthews Band, how can it be wrong, guys? How that's, can it be wrong? That, that's an epic win. An epic win. One of the best uses hey, of soundtrack I, all year. I love some Dave, yeah. guys. I love some Dave. But Lady Bird, uh, amazing movie. I caught up with it recently. Um, great pick, Brendan. Um, Matt, you got your round two pick after Cal Call Me By Your Name was your first round pick. We've weaved all the way back around to you. What are you going with, sir? Well, at this point, because Dunkirk and Lady Bird uh, got taken, uh, uh, and those were <laughs> definitely next on my list. I, you know what? I'm going to just um, do something, uh, I guess, uncharacteristic of this whole exercise. And uh, I'm going to just pick my number one favorite film of the year because okay. I have to believe that if I like it, there are others out there who like it too. And that is a sequel that we all kind of uh, were very skeptical about. That is until the director, cinematographer, composer, who got fired and was replaced, and the score turned out okay anyway, was all announced. And that is Blade Runner 2049. Whoa. I okay. love this movie so freaking much. Um, 
I know I said before, I think Christopher Nolan's achievement on Dunkirk is the, is the directorial achievement of the year. I think what Roger Deakins as a cinematographer does on Blade Runner 2049 dwarfs all other attempts at cinematography this year in the way that he utilizes color, uh, light, and framing. It, it, it just was an artistic masterpiece, one, one that you know is selling itself as a blockbuster but truly is a three-hour art film. And I know that that pacing um, does not work for some, but, you know, for me, in just trying to get immersed into the philosophical questions that the movie is asking, where the first film was asking, what does it mean to be human? This film is more so asking that question from the perspective of a robot this time around and does not hide that uh, from its audience. And I thought that that fervor added so much more complexity to the themes that were established with the first film and it just gave me so much to chew on um i can't wait to revisit it again and it's something that um you know like i was saying before both from uh sound visual the music by uh hans zimmer literally i i I struggled i struggled so so hard to find a single flaw with this movie for me and it's the only film in 2017 that i gave a perfect 10 out of 10 to um i'm I'm going with i'm going with it okay wow but but ridley scott thinks it's too long matt what say you about that? <laughs> We've well, learned to never Scott, trust what Ridley Scott says anymore. Yeah, and Ridley Scott exactly. is probably the most hit and miss uh, director working today, even though I admire the guy so freaking much. I really do. Yeah. Oh, I'll man. see anything that he puts out, but, you know, the guy puts out more crap than he does good. So, <laughs> But he's but he keeps chugging along. I want, I want to invest in some Ridley Scott batteries because the dude works – Works hard, dude. Uh, you he, know, he says all the time, because uh, I, I I can't remember which interview it was, but uh, somebody asked him, like, how do you uh, maintain this pace at, at the time, I think he was 78 or 79 years old. And his reply was, uh, a glass of wine every night and just keep working. Don't slow down. And you could tell by the output that this man has, uh, he is constantly, constantly working that he probably doesn't have time to slow down, get old and, you know, one day go, you know, this guy is just going to go, 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 go forever (laughs) as far as I'm concerned. Nice. I, I and, and quickly, before we move on, I do want to reiterate what you're talking about, man. I do think this is a great film. It's one of my favorite of the year as well. You know, and, you know, we've talked before about how Deacon should win the Academy Award. And you have told me that I should be worried. And I don't understand that idea. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I guess we'll see how that all how all that plays out. But I, I agree with you. This is a really terrific film. And, you know, as much as I appreciate and love what Nolan did with Dunkirk. Denis Villeneuve is doing some work in this film that shouldn't be ignored either. I mean, his direction and how he controls the pacing of this film very deliberately that very much taps into the themes he's exploring, I think is masterful in its own right as well. And like you're saying, the way it um, juxtaposes, you know, Deckard's arc in the, in the original Blade Runner and how it explores a lot of the same things, but from a robot's perspective, a, a replicant that knows he's a replicant and how all of that is questioned throughout the film and how it plays this into self-identity is incredible. It's incredible stuff. I mean, this film seamlessly tailors off that original film so well. And that original Blade Runner is so iconic. It's, it's, it's a master class of a film in its own right. And this film at least in my opinion, matches it, if not betters it. And I mean, there's not 
many sequels that can make that claim. I think that's what makes Blade Runner 2049 such a special film. And speaking of like it's being special, I mean, like that alone is another uh, aspect of the film that I don't think gets talked about enough is that the lead character is built up to be special, the typical hero's journey. And the film bucks mm-hmm. narrative trend by telling its audience, yeah, he's not special. And he gets told yeah. that. And yeah, that I think makes it even better. It's so much and, more interesting. And, and there's and this that's whole what makes, plot line about like yeah. saving humanity and like, you know, yeah. the, the, this, um, I can't really remember because I saw the film so many months ago, but like there's this like uh, secret society of people that are going to like rebel and like take back, you mm-hmm. know, um, the yeah. society and so on and so forth. They, they don't even bother with that. Yeah. And I, I was yeah. like, that's yeah. daring storytelling that, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. that Star Wars also uh tried to do in many ways but by trying to buck tradition yep um sure. and i and i man i i just love that this was the year where screenwriters just said oh you're expecting us to go this way nope <laughs> and i think that's what makes gosling's <laughs> performance so magnetic to me because he makes that turn that you're talking about that revelation works so well i mean gosling's had some great performances before i i, I still think this is his career best for, yeah. for me, um, anyway. it's, for me, it's better than what he did last year in La La Land. But I agree. You know. Sure, I agree. I will just say this: I am happy you guys like it more than I did. I'll well, that's 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 really good. Brandon. I think that's it's very, very good. I think say. it's a very good film. I don't love it like you guys did, but a lot of what you guys are saying, as far as its thematic concerns, I think w- are why it is such a great movie. Not just from the technical sides of things, but there are a lot of very good things in it that I really do agree with what you're saying. I actually have to echo Ryan Gosling's performance here. It's so nuanced and so subtle, but that breakdown sequence he has halfway through is severely felt. It's really yeah. great. Yeah, I agree. He He's also super duper attractive, guys. He's a good looking man. <laughs> he, he's a good looking man. Tell us and, something uh, we don't know. <laughs> well, unfortunately, I, I've yet to see Blade Runner 2049 for a very obvious reason as uh ryan gosling is my wife's one of her favorite actors and we missed it in the theaters Mm -hmm. which means it will probably take us about five nights to watch it (laughs) how long it is (laughs) so i'm just like Uh i want to see it but i'm like i gotta plan out the week uh for something like that so i'm excited uh great pick matt uh with your second pick in round two which means it's back to me with the last pick of round two and um i'm gonna continue to go hard overhead on this one uh, with uh, an adaptation of probably my favorite book as a kid. It was a surprise for me that it was this good. I'm a huge Stephen King fan. I'm going to have to go with it, guys. Wow. So, yeah, okay. I, I had this pretty high on my list of ones I was considering because I know it has not just the fan base, but it has the money behind it, too. When you just look at the box office re- results, uh, even though it's not the most uh, highest-grossing movie, it's one of the highest profitable movies of the year because of the budget that it had yeah. behind it. So yeah. it, it, it's a huge success, arguably like one of the biggest successes of the year. I think it was the I think it's the second highest grossing horror movie behind The Sixth Sense. If I think if I think I'm right, so yeah, that, might sound, be. that sounds right. Although I, yeah. I can't help but feel like it made more. But I, I mean, I could be wrong on that. It's close. Um, suffice to say, for all the praise that you're about to heap on it, um, I'll just say this: it is my second favorite horror film of 2017 yeah. is get out your first mm. nope Uh-oh. oh oh i know i know what your first is Ooh, and i don't know if you're gonna pick it or not so i'll, I'll hold back on saying anything 
Yeah. Um, I'll give you. I'll, I'll. I'll. I'll tell you this much. I'm. I'm probably not going to pick it. <laughs> it's. It comes at night, isn't it? You never know. It you never know. Definitely is. It comes at night. I <laughs> knew it. Yeah. <laughs> stop. Stop saying movie names, guys. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, well, I, I like just want to show that I'm picking, smart I'm and I get it. this man. Unless um, if you guys put me in a corner where I'm forced to pick it, I'm not picking it. So it's on the table. Uh, okay. Um. Okay. So my top. So. Uh, my view of 2017 is there was no perfect movie to me, but there were a lot of A minuses in my eyes. And my top five, which includes it, was was an A minus. And it 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 was one of the movies that kind of transported me in the theater. I know JD was talking about Dunkirk being an experience. Um, that that's definitely in my top five. In the same way, it was just an experience in the theater that kind of can't. It's hard to recreate with a horror movie like that. So. The fact that it was so satisfying, you know, a surprise to many people, and coupled with the fact that it was my favorite movie as a kid at the time, you know, that the kids in the movie were experiencing everything in the movie, it was just really crazy. It was it was kind of surreal. So um, that's why I picked it with my second pick, uh, which means it's already round for th- round three. So um, I've got one more the in my top five movies of of 2017 that hasn't been picked. But I'm thinking I don't want to piss a bunch of people off and maybe it'll be left over uh, later in the draft. So I'm going to go with um, a different movie. This one also came out during the summer, which was, we've already established, a bit stronger than normal. Um, It comes from one of my favorite directors. I'm going to pick Baby Driver, guys. Someone had to do it. (laughs) Yes. A great soundtrack. Um, Now with a... uh, a mark on it with the inclusion of Kevin Spacey uh, in a role where he's kind of mentoring a very young baby faced dude. Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm trying are, to, are you saying all the reasons why people should not pick it? Like, <laughs> yeah, you're not helping your case here yet. This is exactly why I didn't pick it. I'm saying my one, my one negative uh, that just became a negative in the last couple months. So, um, it's another movie but, but that I it, thought was. But doesn't go ahead. But but th- isn't there uh, <laughs> in hindsight the conclusion of Spacey's character? That's a little bit more satisfying in hindsight, right? <laughs> in hindsight, yes. I don't know. Uh, I don't know how it's going to be because I just heard that they're redoing the movie with Christopher Plummer. Uh, I, I I heard that they're <laughs> redoing a lot of that. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. I I don't know. In hindsight, the movie. I, I still think it's enjoyable. It, it's weird that he's involved. But it's just such a fun time, and it's such a fun movie to watch, and um, that's why I had to pick it. So uh, yeah, mo- moving on before we can talk more about Kevin Spacey, Matt, you've got your third pick in round three. Uh, you just picked Blade Runner twenty forty nine with your second pick. What are you going uh, with your third pick, man? See, now this is like a very tricky spot to be in right now because I have a lot of films um, that, from my own personal preference, I could pick over this one. Um, this is still in my top 10, but I don't, mm, you know, I, it's weird. I got to make like a, I got to make a choice right now. This is, this is very interesting. I can see why this draft mm-hmm. thing is a lot of fun. Um, yeah, it is. <laughs> don't make the wrong choice, man. Don't make the wrong choice. How can I make the wrong choice when I'm going to pick my, my good friend? And, and yes, I'm, I'm literally not kidding when I say this, actually, he actually is a good friend of mine. Kumail Nanjiani's film, The Big uh, Sick. Nice. All right. Hey, just because he retweeted you and commented on you once doesn't make him a good friend to you. 
no, 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 no. There's, there's more to it than that. You sound me. like Aubrey Plaza and Ingrid Goes West right now. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, you Good stupid stuff. fat whore. <laughs> I'm outside his door right now. <laughs> No, uh, The Big Sick is a film that um, was a bright spot on this summer for me and in, in many ways, and it remains uh, one of not only the best comedy films of the year, uh, despite what the Golden Globes would make you believe, but it's also, I think, one of the best films of the year in how it balances its ensemble, its dramatic moments with its comedy, and also, too, presents a very, very interesting slice of life uh, from both the perspective of uh, this Pakistani family and this uh, white uh, family as well. And the contrast that the two have with one another all through uh, Kumail Nanjiani's uh, character, Kumail Nanjiani. And that part about it, uh, it being so personal, I think that's what helps the big sick to resonate so much with people when they watch it is – if they go in knowing that this was based on the real story of how Kumail and Emily met and that they wrote this screenplay together, um, I think it adds a whole extra layer uh, to the movie that, A, makes it that much more uh, lovable, relatable, and in the end, uh, one of the best films of the year. So, yes, I'm definitely going with The Big Sick. Yeah, I just rewatched it uh, last night. Actually, I, I showed it to my dad because I wanted to get his take on it, and he, and he loved it just as much as everyone else. I was so tempted to pick this one next, or at least one of the ones I was considering next, and I, I, I'm kind of glad I didn't because I didn't have to wrestle with having two of the most important films of the year about cultural indifference on my list with this one and Get Out. Uh, but but that but that's a huge praise to The Big Sick that we have two movies like this that have such a following embracing those similar notions, and we are accepting of it in a way that is so wonderful to see and 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 it's thankful that it that the movie itself is also quite fantastic it's a really great film and one of the best scripts of the year i think and credit to Michael Showalter, the director, by the way, too, um, who sure. I don't think gets enough credit at all. Like, I mean, Kumail is the person who's kind of like synonymous with the film being the writer and the star. But um, after doing uh, Hello, My Name is Doris uh, last year and then coming out this year with this, um, he is certainly, I think, now a talent that we need to watch a lot more. And mm-hmm. I'll be very, very interested to see um, what other scripts he receives that does um, mix both more dramatic elements and these more comedic elements uh, together and who knows maybe he's got a full drama in him or he's got a more full-fledged comedy uh, as well Uh, you know it's very interesting that this is a Judd Apatow uh, production because Mm -hmm. for my money I I think this is the best film that he's ever produced Um, I like I really really do believe that so and I don't know if it's because of how much of an emotional impact it had on me, uh, but it, I thought the laughs were, while not as funny as something like 40-Year-Old Virgin or Knocked Up, let's say, um, I did think that it had that great mixture, and it just struck the right tone and the right balance. Yeah. But some of those laughs are pretty great. That 9-11 joke is one of the funniest <laughs> scenes of the entire year. I would agree. So you'd win. And uh, <laughs> shout out to to my love. I love Holly Hunter, and she should be in all the movies forever mm. and ever. Oh, uh, she is so great in us. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I watched. It's funny. I watched The Big Sick on the same day that I watched Lady Bird. I'm like, I want Laurie Metcalf and Holly Hunter in a movie as soon as possible together. Uh, they are How about yes. playing those same characters, dealing with their own motherly issues, and just talking about it? That would be oh. actually. 
amazing. Oh, that, like almost like a my dinner with Andre kind of scenario, and just having them play those characters. That, that, wow, I think we just got a million dollar idea here, guys. <laughs> Let's yeah. do it. Let's do it. Straight, <laughs> write the checks. All right, Brendan, you got your uh, your next pick, round three. You've got Get Out and Lady Bird. What are you going with your third pick? All right, so this is where it starts to get even harder, like you were talking about there, Matt. You know, I, I really am trying to wrestle with the films I like the most versus the ones that I think will be the most, I guess, marketable on my list of five films. And I'm looking at my all time, my, my favorite films of the year, and I'm thinking, I'm so passionate about these ones, but I'm not sure if other people are, or if they are, maybe there's just not enough of them. So I'm going to try and bridge that gap. Similar to Christopher Nolan's Dunkirk, that balances big blockbuster filmmaking, but with more intimate and almost art house sensibilities. And it's a film I really liked when I first saw it, but it's a film that I've been growing on more and more and more. And it's great that we have a conclusion to one of the better trilogies of our generation with War for the Planet of the Apes. So that's what I'm going for with my crazy altar of Andy's circus. Yeah. Still one of I I think he still gives regardless of the the type of performance, I don't think that matters. I think Andy Circus gives one of the best leading acting performances of the year in this movie. And it's I agree. Yeah, but there's there's such pain and torment that you actually can sense and feel reverberated from this digital recreation of what Andy Serkis is actually doing. And the fact that that is conveyed through this digital rendering of what Andy Serkis is doing shows how uh, great Serkis actually is. And, and one thing I love about this film, too, is that it completely allows this new trilogy being Rise, Dawn, and Now War for the Planet of the Apes to almost come full circle thematically and really be a character-driven narrative of this idea of cultural indifference, as we've been talking about already with movies like The Big Sick and Get Out. But in the case of War for the Planet of the Apes, it kind of reverses that polarity a bit and suggests that the idea that we try and live in harmony with among other species and cultural demographics, maybe that's not possible. And this movie actually is, I don't care what people say, it's appropriately titled War for the Planet of the Apes because it's an introspective war. The war is everything internal, and that is so severely felt, and the fact that there is less of a physical war here I think is why the film is so... Uh, on point and trying to driving and trying to drive that home, which makes it that much. Uh, it, it, it's it's a riveting experience. Maybe it loses some points by being a bit, maybe a bit on the nose at some of its references to other movies. But I can let that slide because as I think about this one more, it's so visceral in its thematic notions. So I think because of the way it balances that, and I think it has a great fan base already. I'm picking War for the Planet of the Apes. It's my number three pick here. Yeah. I love this pick as well. I echo everything you're saying about Andy Serkis. He is, he. I, I don't care the kind of performance. It's by far one of the best of the year, in my opinion. And, yeah. You know, the effects of the film is great, the action. But yeah, the poignancy of the film and the heart behind it all is incredible. And for my money, Michael J. Kino gives one of the best scores of the year. Yeah, oh, I've yes. warmed up to it. I, I've warmed music. up to it. I, I, I was a bit hesitant on it at first because it was so noticeable that I almost thought it was distracting, but now I notice that it's it, it, it adds to the visceral nature of the film. There is a connectivity yeah. through it all that I think works. Amazing pick, Brendan. Amazing pick. Love the movie. Um, JD, you got the last pick of round three. What are you going okay. with, Okay. 
Yeah, I think I'm going to do the same thing Brendan did with War for the Planet of the Apes and go with something that bridges that gap of mainstream, you know, attainability with something that is still very good, even if it's not, quote unquote, in my top five of the year. Um, and, you know, Brendan, you were talking about how War for the Planet of the Apes concludes an arc. It concludes a character. It concludes I a know where you're going with this. I'm going to do something very similar with <laughs> my next pick. <laughs> yeah, thank you, James Bagold and his latest film, Logan. I mean, nice. first of all, let me speak to the performances. Hugh Jackman still, for my money, gives one of the best leading male performances of the year. Patrick Stewart, he's even gotten some love with some regional critics group which has been really fun to see. And Daphne Keene is one of the best surprises of the year. She is wonderful in this film. And I think what moves me the most inside this film is that you get this familiar interplay between those three characters, right? With Logan and Professor X and Laura, which I find very beautiful. I find it dramatically nuanced and heartbreaking in places as well. Um, And it speaks to this idea um, with these characters with this idea that they're seeking normalcy, all they want to do. And they speak to this countless times at the film is that they just want to live normal lives in the juxtaposition of the film's violence inside that idea, I think gives the film a dramatic irony that I find very striking. And it adds weight to the film's pathos as it relates to those familial dynamics uh, that I was talking about because they're forced to fight for that normalcy. Uh, which I find so incredible and how Mingled is able to interweave that throughout this film. And it crystallizes in that scene between Laura and Logan that I can't, I can't really even go into it. I'm going to get emotional here just wow. thinking about it. So and we don't I'll want that, that to happen. But- <laughs> I've experienced that on a show before <laughs> and it's... <laughs> It's heartbreaking, Stop man. Stop your crying, it's... JD. Stop your crying. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. I can't help it. But that revelation in the theater, like I had a cathartic response to it, like an outwardly cathartic response to it. I think it was so visceral in the moment. It, it's wonderful. Um, I, I love what this film does. So, yeah, Logan is still one of the best films of the year, um, in my opinion. So I'm going to go with it for my round three pick. Nice. I, I, at the end of that film in the theater, I felt uh, like I'd just gotten the, the shit beat out of me, just like Logan's character at the mm-hmm. end of that movie. But now it's on, I think there's an HBO L, which plays Logan 24-7. Uh, it's an amazing movie. Amazing movie. The first the first uh, comic book film uh, picked in this draft for 2017. So there mm-hmm. you go. JD, Logan, yeah. off the board. So... It's time for round four, guys. JD gets another pick right after Logan. JD, what you got, man? Oh, boy. (laughs) So this is where things start to get uh, even more difficult um, as we're trying to balance our hearts and our heads here. Um, I think I think for my next pick, I'm going to I'm going to go purely with my heart here. This is a film that maybe not. Um, as many people have seen versus something like Logan or War for the Planet of the Apes, but I still think it's one of the best films of the year, and so I'm going to pick it anyway. Um, I'm going to go with Sean Baker's The Florida Project. Damn you! This <laughs> Nice. I'm in the middle uh, of it right now. Go on, Sarah. <laughs> yeah, I think it's great. I think it's objectively one of the best films of 2017. 
Um, and I look forward to discussing our top 10 show here in a few weeks. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, the dichotomies at play in this film is remarkable. Um, and it's heartbreaking in places. Uh, you know, a lot of people have been talking about, uh, the performances in this film and they are very good. I think Willem Dafoe is, um, probably going to win an Oscar for his performance here. And I think it's very well deserved. And, you know, a lot of people have been claiming that he's not doing much in the film or he doesn't have as much to do compared to, comparatively to some other best supporting performances. But I think there's a lot more to his character than what's underneath the surface. And Defoe does such a great job of tapping into that. Um, that the final action he takes when he just kind of walks away from the action, I'll say vaguely in case people haven't seen it. I think it's kind of devastating and, and, and in, in that, and what he's doing there and the performance and what Defoe brings to it. Um, and a lot of people are talking about Brooklyn Prince as, you know, one of the best female performances of the year as well. And I do like her quite a bit, but, um, as we've talked about on our show, Brennan, as much as I love Brooklyn Prince, um, Bria Venete for me steals this film. She's so she good. She gives the best. So great. So, so real. So real. Yeah. Absolutely. It's very authentic. I loved to hate her and, uh, but there is a duality to her performance. I did sympathize with her at times. I hated her at times and yeah, it's really quite striking. So, um, yeah, the Florida project isn't going to be for everybody, um, because the, the characters here aren't always likable. And I think that's very purposeful. I think that very much plays into the dramatic ironies that Sean Baker's bringing up here. Um, and that's what makes it so great for me. Um, so the floor project, um, is my run four pick. Yeah. I have nothing else to add. Just thank you, Katie, for stealing what was going to be my next pick. I did not <laughs> expect welcome. you to pick. I know you love the movie, but I did not expect yeah. it to come this early from you. So damn you. I mean, well, and it, it, I was about to say okay. what a what a um, talent Sean Baker is, man. Uh, if, if anyone yeah. hasn't seen Tanger, Tangerine um, already, yeah, um, yeah. One of the out. better one of the better Christmas movies of the past couple of years, if you ask me. I, I my first apartment in L.A. was a block away from the uh, the corner donut shop that's featured in Tangerine. <laughs> that's so cool. And nice. th- that movie, and like I said, I'm in the middle of the Florida project right now as we speak, and it's yeah. it's amazing as well. So that guy has yeah. a, a bright future ahead of him. So, yep. And, and it's uh, interesting as well for me because. Um, in a few days, uh, as of the time of this recording, I'm actually going to, going to be hanging out with my brother in Tampa. Um, and as part of his trip to Florida, we're actually going to spend some time in the Orlando area and we're actually going to go to that hotel as part of the trip and, and see it and take some photos and hang out for a little bit. So yeah, what's, what's, what's the response, what's the response been in Florida about this movie? Have you, in terms of the region? Um, well, it's been interesting because and a bit ironic because of, of the people that I've talked to, I feel like it hasn't been quite as well received as it has in other places of the country. Um, and for general audiences, some of them, I'm not exact. I don't think they know how to respond to it, you know, and I saw this in Orlando with people that live in Orlando and, you know, coming out of the film, a lot of people were silent. I, I don't think they knew exactly what they had experienced. So, I mean, it is a film that you kind of have to grapple with just because the characters aren't 
extremely sympathetic all the all of the time. So, you know, and then on top of that, it's the film is certainly commenting on the situations. I, I don't I don't think Baker is antagonizing you know, Disney or, or the touristy landscape in a lot of ways, as much as he's, as he's speaking to, you know, th- this hidden place that people don't really realize is there. Um, and yeah, I mean, the response is it hasn't been overwhelming as much as I wish that it would be. All right. Good pick, JD. Brendan, you got your fourth pick right up. What are you going with, man? All right. I think it's time to do something similar to what JD was doing and just kind of throw a little bit of a curveball into this and I'm I'm going with a film that's very much maybe even a little bit more towards my heart than my head but those who have seen this film and really enjoy this film have enjoyed it and loved it so much that it became the highest grossing movie in Japan right now and I guess this is this is maybe a bit of a I don't know but because maybe this is a bit of a cheat because some people might consider it a 2016 film because of when it was released to try and qualify for Oscar uh, consideration but for us uh, I don't know I don't but for us when we got it on its limited release in the United States that's why I'm going with your name as my fourth pick here. So the the film directed by Makoto Shinkai, who is someone I very much admire in the realm of Japanese anime. Uh, I've seen some of his films, such as uh, Five Centimeters Per Second, I believe it's called, and some of his other short films like Voices of a Distant Star. And he has a habit of telling telling these tales about star-crossed lovers in the realms of fantasy and sci-fi, but there's always some type of spiritual undercurrent that connects them together that actually gives a real sense of purpose to them. And with your name, I think it's one of his most severely and viscerally felt films that he has done, at least from what I have seen, to see these two people, a boy and a girl, drawn together because they are admiring and looking upon a lifestyle that's very much the antithesis to their own, only to find themselves kind of drawn to each other because they represent that antithesis to them. And that body swap between them, I think, actually has a thematic purpose rather than just making for some very sexually charged slapstick comedy. And it's a lot more than that. But it's also so severely felt because of it, too. And the religious undercurrent, uh, undercurrent of the film as it relates to Japanese culture about getting in touch with Kami and just the uh, the other parallels that the film actually shares to uh, whether it be Japanese warfare or natural disasters. There's a lot of comparisons to Fukushima and uh, Nagasaki. Uh, there, there's a there's such a palpability to this film that it never goes too far in the in the, in the sense that it hits you over the head with some of its uh, religious undercurrent. It's so felt. It, it, it's it's a one. It's one of the most beautifully felt animated films that I think I've seen this year. And for those that consider it a 2017 film, I think there's a strong fan base for it. I know a lot of people that really do love it. And for that reason, I'm picking as my number four pick in this draft. I don't know, yeah, Brendan. I don't know, Brendan. A little bit too niche for me for round four. As ever. <laughs> but again, I'm the guy who hasn't seen anything. So um... I mean. I- for what it's worth, I echo a lot of what Brennan is saying. I do think it's one of the best films of the year, uh, certainly within my top 20 at this point. So, um, yeah, I think it's very good. It'll be interesting to see how listeners of this show <laughs> respond to it and if, how that plays into your vote, Brennan. So, uh, like I said, it's a curveball, but ball. it's a great film. Yeah, I, I think it's a good pick. I, I really do. I'm just going to be curious how people respond. You know, if uh, if Brandon just threw a curveball at everyone, 
I'm going to throw a fuck you fastball. <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Go ahead, Matt. You're next. Uh-oh. What's your round four pick? I'm going with what I think is the best animated film of 2017, and I'm picking Coco. Remember me, though I have to say goodbye. Remember me. Whoa. Uh, okay. Not even top ten picks are, man. Uh, it doesn't doesn't matter. Have you seen the way people react to this movie? Yeah, I, I may, maybe For I'm wrong. For the context but of this show, <laughs> yeah, it's a good I'm going. Thing. I'm going with uh, head instead of heart on this one, and I okay. think uh, I think my head's in the right place um, because you know I'm just like I, I I did a search the other day uh, in regards to um, 2017 because uh, I always like checking out the IMDb top 250 to see which films from the year have made the list. Um, and based on those user ratings, Coco was actually rated the highest of all 2017 films. And it's a movie that I know many people walked out of it. Maybe they didn't love it like Wall-E or Toy Story 3 or Up, but generally they liked it. I know I certainly did, even though I don't think it is top tier uh, Pixar. But you know what? I I was gonna I I had it in my mind now for a while that I was gonna pick Coco, and because I I wanted to be the guy that was like, oh, I'm gonna pick an animated film and throw a wrench into the works. So you stole my thunder on that one, Brandon, and now I am definitely picking it out of spite, if anything. Oh well, I love you too, man. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a Talking smart about pick. the film though itself, uh, yeah. I, I do think it has um, some beautiful animation at times. I think it's got a really heartfelt message um i think the storytelling by pixar although not revolutionary is uh solid all around and i also um think that it works both for adults and for kids uh which is exactly what pixar has been known to do um with their storytelling so um i i have no shame in picking it yeah it's it's a good pick and it does have a, a very passionate fan base as well. A lot of people are are loving on this film. So, I mean, it's it wouldn't be like it would probably be third or fourth best animated film for me personally. But I mean, I, I think it's a strategic. I think choice. it's a good pick. It's a strategic choice. Like, I, I, yeah. yeah, I think you're going to get a lot of votes. I'll say that. Yeah, I there 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 are, there is some smarts in picking this, and maybe I let my heart get away with me uh, in this one. But I know there is a strong. You have get out, and Lady well, see, Bird. Here's I, the I thing. think you're sitting pretty comfortably. Well, right well now. even even yeah. so, like when I'm looking uh-huh. at the animated category, I know there is probably less of a base for a movie like Your Name versus Coco, but I know for those that have seen and loved Your Name, that fan base is incredibly passionate, which is what drove oh my, my God, pick for that so one. But at the same time with Coco, it's more of the mainstream film, which is not a bad thing. It's just more widely seen, and I know that those who have seen it that have really enjoyed it very much enjoy it, so they'll passionately vote for it in its favor. Like I said, maybe I just let my heart get away with me because I had a lot of problems with that film, especially in its script writing. I think it's a, I think it's a good film, but I wouldn't call it a great one. And maybe that's, maybe that was my burden to yeah. bear. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't know if the spite worked, Matt. Brendan's, <laughs> Brendan's throwing the spite back in your face. <laughs> I, I will say this: uh, I know for yeah. a fact that my readership on my site, it, it, in a war of your name versus Coco, if everybody, because I. More people have obviously seen Coco, but if if I were to put the two against each other um, and people who have seen both, I know my readership would go with your name. I don't know what your readership is going to do, but I, I know that your name is definitely the... <laughs> 
head and shoulders, <laughs> like just a more daring, more exquisite, beautiful film of the two. Sure. Um, but but that's not what we're weighing these on when we pick these films. And I understand your argument for Coco in that sense, which is basically me admitting that our disagreement here probably should be a bit harsher. Come on, Matt. We got to get better at this. I feel like we're not well, being – I feel like we need to be I a bit it, more at odds with each other, man. Hey, it's, it's this kind is my of, first draft. Can you cut me some slack? <laughs> And, no. and it's funny because no. it's funny it's funny because this comparing the two is I feel like really silly because you have a Pixar film and then you have a film that is essentially the Japanese animated version of a Charlie Kaufman film. <laughs> like they mm-hmm. they couldn't be more different from one another. All right, so if uh, I picked the breadwinner, uh we would be in a more suitable Yeah. <laughs> yeah Probably. Exactly. Hey, that's a great movie. Yeah, oh, God, I like yeah. that. I, oh my too. God, it's amazing. Uh, for the record, yeah. anybody listening right now, if you have not seen The Breadwinner or Go Your Name, for example, yes. Uh, yes, please. Oh my I, God. I would agree very much. All right. Well, I've seen Coco, but not Your Name. But it, it, would, <laughs> would, would, would Your Name make me cry major bing bong tears like Coco did? Like, that's a. It could. Uh, it is an I, emotional experience. It's emotional, guys. It it is, uh, I, but it it has a narrative and a and a storytelling structure that I wouldn't say is off putting, but you have to be prepared for because there is a fragmented yeah. way that it goes about its that it goes about its uh, storytelling that uh, it, yeah. you, you have to be prepared for. It, I just have to if, say, if you're looking to get that experience, uh, I'm going to recommend Grave of the Fireflies to you. Nice. That'll uh, that'll, or, that'll or, m- master or, you. Or even of those three films, Justin, as a parent, watch The Breadwinner. That film will yeah. destroy you. Yeah. The final act of that film, you, you just bring tissues. You will need them. I promise. Oh, I don't think I can do it, guys. That's just too much. <laughs> I don't need to be destroyed. I, I but, wanna... but in a good way. In a good way. <laughs> I totally like, understand. I rec- <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so good pick, Matt, with Coco, which means I've got the final pick in round four. And for this pick, I'm going to pick uh, one of the recent movies we've watched via award screener. This is a, was a huge surprise for myself and my wife, Chrissy. Um, it's a movie with a lot of great performances in it. I have to go with I, Tanya, guys. I love oh, nice. this movie. So, I love that pick. <laughs> should, so number one is the main question. Should I, Tanya, a movie about Tanya Harding, be this enjoyable? Yes, it yes. is. Yes, it's very, it very entertaining. The story is so insane. How could it not be? <laughs> and, and, <laughs> I love it. And the, you know, the, the, the cinematography, the camera work, the acting, the soundtrack. Um, I mean, I love Allison Janney in this. Margot Robbie, of course, is amazing. Um, it reminds, as as a lot of people remind me of like Goodfellas, but the story of Tanya Harding, it's crazy. It's very surprising, and I liked it a lot. So um, that's why I had to pick it with my fourth pick. Has everyone else seen it? Liked it? Yeah. Would yeah. you? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'm it's a big great. fan. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, I I think Craig Gillespie has to work with Stephen Rogers to write her more often because for for the most part, Craig Gillespie as a director has been mostly a director for hire. When you look at movies like Million Dollar Arm, for for instance, but he really comes to play in I, Tanya, and it's a very creative form of storytelling. A lot of people have called out its uh, influence to documentary storytelling, but it's almost like mockumentary storytelling. I think that just adds to its 
palpable satire and sense of humor. Maybe at times it does veer so close to the Scorsese influences that it was maybe a bit noticeable for me, so it's maybe not in my top ten personally. Eh, Boogie but Nights did too, you know. Well, that, I agree. That's why it's actually my least favorite Paul Thomas Anderson film. Uh, <gasps> what? It, uh, but but no, ahead Brendan, of Hardy. Uh, aside from that, uh, but anyway, um, I, I I still love Boogie Nights. That's a side t- topic for another time. But I still also very much love I Tanya. It's in my top twenty of the year as well. And I think those who have seen yeah. it are going to respond to that pick there, Justin. And, and and the film has its own unique fingerprint, which is why those Scorsese elements. Honestly, I didn't even contemplate them until after the film. After I had experienced the movie, I was able to to recognize some of it. But as you're watching it, you're so immersed in these characters and the way Gillespie is telling this story that, at least for me, I I I didn't it didn't even cross my mind. And and that uh, that meta approach to this film is hysterical, especially with Alice and Janney's character. Um, Small spoiler, I guess, but that that moment where she looks into the camera and basically tells you that her storyline is disappearing yes. is amazing. <laughs> amazing. Pure perfection. <laughs> um, yeah, I, uh, love, I love, love the movie. Huge surprise. So um, that's why I picked it with my fourth pick. Guys, we're already here. We're at our wild card round with round five. So Matt, uh, notoriously on the draft, round five is where we go for wildcard pick so um yeah uh this is our last round this is the last gasp uh to fill out your team with my round five pick oh man i'm scared to pick one movie oh geez i don't know if you guys got one movie that i'm like if i pick that somebody will just like discount my whole list so i'm scared <laughs> to pick it um so so this being a huge year for uh comic book comic book movies jd already picked logan which i love but Probably my next favorite comic book movie was another surprise uh, in the theater. It was also the end of a trilogy and the best of the trilogy. Guys, I'm going to have to go with Thor Ragnarok with my round five pick. And I'm going to have to go, when Thank I pick, you, I Robert that. Plant. Because <laughs> any, anything with that yeah. music is, is, is instantly better. So I'm hoping picking that with that music... Is going to put my my team over the edge. So uh, that and uh, yeah, uh, I, I I probably laugh more during that movie in the theater than any other movie uh, in 2017. Maybe except for another movie, which I'll get to an honorable mentions. But I thought it was hilarious. It's got Jeff Goldblum, who is my soul animal, uh, in it. Um, and like I said, I think it's miles above the best Thor movie we, we've ever seen. So I was. Highly entertained. Um, that's why I chose it. What's up, guys? What you got? Oof. Oof. Oh, I man. like this movie a lot. I think it was a heck of a lot of fun. Uh, it's I mean, definitely a Taika with TT film. Yeah. And, and that's, why, that's why I respect it so much about it, because we see Marvel and the Marvel Cinematic Universe and Marvel Studios directly uh, hiring a lot of great talent to direct these movies. And you know, not every time I feel like the director has their vision so imprinted that it feels more like the director's film versus a movie directed by this so-and-so. Uh, Thor Ragnarok feels more so like a Taika Waititi film in, 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 in the best ways possible, and that's why I love so much about it. It's, it's really a creative experience. Awesome. Awesome. And what's the, the, the character that he plays in the movie? The Korg? 
Oh, Korg. Team Korg, guys. <laughs> so great. <laughs> so great. Oh, uh, oh, Doug's dead. <laughs> and the the um the score for that movie is is gets a lot of spins in our house as well. It's uh pretty amazing. So that's why I picked it. Matt, you got your last pick of the draft, sir. Your very first draft, your last pick, round five. What are you gonna go with, sir? So I'm like in a really, really bad spot right now because my second and third favorite film of the year, um, nobody has picked them. And I'm like so tempted to do so because, you know, I love these two films like, whoa. Um, do the it. problem is that my second favorite film of the year, I feel like nobody has seen. Uh, my third favorite film of the year um, has a backlash uh, growing against it right now on the Internet. And I don't want to be that guy uh, that picks it. Come on, Matt. Own do it. it. Do it. So it. I, think I'm I know what film do. that is. I know what film yeah. he's talking about, too. At least I yeah. think I do. Uh, so I think I'm going to do something. Um, it's so it's crazy because I have one film on here that's like one of the most popular movies of the year that I feel like if I pick it, uh, it it'll help me. But uh, my my heart, th- there are other films I like more. Then I have one pick here that I love, and I think it's the number one most divisive movie uh-huh. of the year. That's probably uh, the that's probably the one I was I've been thinking of since forever ago. Go ahead, come on, Matt, pick one. Jesus Christ! Hey, it's can, tough. Can I, can, I, can I ask you a question? Can I ask you a question, Justin? Does yeah, go your, ahead. Do, 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 do your readers like? Do they see these small art house indie <laughs> films? <laughs> go for it, man. Is that cheating? Go Is that cheating? It. It, it all goes um, out. Um, you can you, this. This goes on Twitter, Matt. So this can be retweeted. I'm picking. I'm picking what I deemed earlier this year to be a miracle movie. It was a movie that when I saw it, I truly felt like I had an out-of-body experience, and it had such a profound effect on me that I highly recommend it to everyone. Uh, it's not for everyone, but I recommend it to everyone. That is David Lowry's A Ghost Story. How Ooh. dare you? Killing I, me, man. <laughs> I, let me tell you something. When I say a miracle movie, um, the last film that I gave that title to was Boyhood, and that was because I saw somebody grow up on screen, which I had never seen before, and to me, that was like a miracle. A Ghost Story is a miracle because of the way it tackles uh, themes of life and death and the enormity of time and how small and insignificant our lives are and just our whole purpose. Um, Or you could have the other outlook on it and see how big our purpose is and how big of an impact we leave on the earth. I don't know. Uh, That's the most wondrous thing about it is um, the, the conversations that it can invoke once the film is over. And, you know, Guys, you see Rudy Maher eat pie for six minutes. In an and it's amazing. Take. It's and amazing. It's amazing. It it's so it's so amazing. You know why it's amazing? Because you're li- that this is what this is what this is what makes a ghost story so special is that you know there are a lot of films where I feel like you're eavesdropping. You know, the Florida Project has that effect where you feel like you're eavesdropping on the lives of uh, people. Call me by your name. I feel like has that a ghost story 
literally epitomizes that because of the nature of how this ghost played by uh, Casey Affleck, but not really, because honestly, it could have been anybody on the death sheet. You oh, know? Yeah. Casey <laughs> Affleck, problematic, Matt. Oh, no. But like I said, <laughs> there is no performance. It literally could be anybody under that sheet. You know, yeah, it, it's just a sheet. Um, I think yeah. that also helps with the movie, too, because it has that eerie quality about it because there are no discernible characteristics of the performance that you do feel like at times um, there, there was a moment where I was watching it because it's all practical and it's not CGI. I'm, I'm saying to myself, my God, this is a real ghost. Like I'm, I'm seeing like an actual ghost on screen and just the way it does that voyeurism and that uh, that eavesdropping effect of how he's watching over uh, Rudy Mara's life. And then also, like I was saying before, the enormity of time itself and how it's all just passing by. And then there's a loop and it's just, oh, it's so spellbinding. I, I am going with heart on this one. I am picking a ghost story. I don't care if people have not seen it. I think it is special. You're killing me, Matt. I was this was going to be my pick if it was yeah. Same here. Before it came Same to me, here. So. Yeah. Well, yeah. It sounds like it wasn't going to get to me either way, but I agree. And and it's amazing that as spellbinding as the film is for the reasons you're talking about, the whole film features a character wearing a bedsheet. I mean, aesthetically just think about how silly that is, and yet you're so immersed in what is going on in this film. And yeah, I, I mean, I agree. It's one of the most unique, one of the most creative, one of the most thematic and emotional experiences I had all year. And the way David Lowry was able to create that with this really silly premise is astounding. It, yeah. It's an achievement for sure. And speaking of an achievement from a directing standpoint, the way Lowry is able to linger his camera work on this central ghost figure and how this is a figure and a character that can't physically show expression because of the nature of having a bedsheet over you, you sense a form of expression out of this character, out of this ghostly figure. And that that takes a real talent to be able to do that. And that pie-eating sequence as well that you're talking about there, Matt, it forces us as audiences, audience members to become observers in this world. That, that kind of makes it a bit more of a relatable experience because we're very much observing our surroundings and the way people react to certain things, which makes that moment that Rooney Mara has eating that pie one of the most harrowing moments of grief I think I've experienced in a movie all year. It, it's such a grieving moment and it's so well felt. I, this was going to be my next pick if you didn't do it. So now I have a chore ahead of me. So thank you for that. But I'm glad it gets represented. <laughs> I'm glad it gets represented though. I'm serious because I think it's a movie that for those that haven't seen it, I, I it, it's a challenging film. It's not going to be for everyone, but it's a short film. And I hope people do take the uh, challenge offhand. I really want to see yeah. them give it a go. And, and you know we what's another thing to... too I didn't mention about it as well is um and you kind of alluded to this a little bit there, Brendan, is how because the ghost is expressionless and because there are no definable characteristics of it, it allows for us as an audience to be able to project our own feelings, yes. thought process. And the movie, yeah. in a way, I think actually is able to establish a personal connection with viewers that are willing to open up their minds and work while they watch it. And yes. it, it can, like I was saying, create um, an experience that can feel wholly unique and truly special because you feel like it was something that was made for you because that's how your mind projected it. Yeah. And I think you have to. I think you have to work for this film to work. Otherwise, it's just Casey Affleck under a sheet meandrously 
you know, wandering around. So, uh, but that's what I love about the symbolism of the film and the way, um, you know, David Lowry is able to explore these themes, which is why for me, the whole idea of closure works so well in this film and how everything concludes at the end. I'll just say vaguely is equally as poignant for me as it was seeing Rooney Morrow eat, eat that pie. Yeah. And we cannot bring up this film and not mention the haunting and hypnotic score from Daniel. Oh, probably the best incredible. of the year, or at least one of the best of the yes. year. Yeah. Amazing. So, so this is on, still on our to do uh, or to watch list pile, guys. A, a ghost story, but uh, David Lowry's last movie is huge in our home with two young kids. Peach Dragon yes. was Good, uh, yeah. uh, an amazing, yeah. amazing movie. Very good in film. It, uh, yeah, in its own right. So it made my top that. ten of last year. Pete's Dragon yeah. was the most underrated summer blockbuster of last year. Talking about the feels, guys. If you haven't seen Pete's Dragon, <laughs> watch that. Lots, <laughs> lots of feels. Um, there you so, go. Brendan, you got your last pick. Uh, round five. What are you going to go with, man? I have no idea. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay, because I wanted to go with a ghost story, uh, and I wanted to try and maintain this trajectory that you know use our last pick to, to do something a bit more off the wall. I guess you can say, as you were kind of talking about there, Justin. But you know, I kind of went a bit off the wall with my number four pick and going with Makoto Shinkai's Your Name, and maybe that is off the wall enough to kind of pick something a bit more, at least well known in its own right for my number five pick. And in that sense, there are still a few movies. Two specifically that I'm still wrestling with for this number five pick, but I think I'm going to go with this one that I think is the one you were talking about, Matt, as your number three movie of the year so far. I'm not sure if this is the case. I think this is the one you're talking about. And it's interesting. I'm going solely with my head on this one because this number five pick is a movie that I don't really like all that much. Oh, yes, and you know what it is. I know what it is, but I think those that do like it, such as you, Matt, and I'm glad you like it, uh-huh. there is a passionate response from Martin McDonough's Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Okay. And I think because of that reason, simply from more of a marketing standpoint, I am going to go with that as my number five pick. And like I said, it's a movie I think is good i think i gave it a b when we reviewed it on our podcast jd and even then i think that may have been a bit generous i think it is very problematic in its structure and its tone and the way that actually progresses some of these characters arcs but there are a lot of great things in it that i think will carry it through the rest of the year and when we get to the voting process of our respective top fives here I think the fan base will respond to these elements such as Frances McDormand's amazing performance. That's a fact. She is so good in this movie. Uh, and just, yeah. she really is. Yeah. And, you know, any problems I have with the film as far as its balancing and tone, she is not the reason for that because she is able to balance that. There is a tragedy in the way she presents her predicament, but there's also a bit of a bite in the way she does it as well. So you actually have a bridge between those extremes in her performance, which is something I just wish I felt in the rest of the film. But a lot of other people, aside from myself, are able to find that bridge, and they've responded to the film very positively because of it. And that's the reason why I'm going with it as my number five pick here, because I think there are enough people that are responding to it, and it's in its thematic notions of anger and expressing anger in such a 
voiceful way, and especially in a town that is so uh, tightly knit. You know, it's a very claustrophobic setting, which I think makes the anger feel that much more palpable. That's another idea of it that I really like. Those reasons are why I'm picking as my number five, because I think there are people that will vote for it for that reason. Even though I don't love the film. I don't even think it's all that great. But I know, you know a lot of other people do. I, I'm sorry. I, I got to speak. I got to speak up as the defender of this movie for a minute and just say, <laughs> for the record, that um, you know, Brendan, you mentioned the anger of this movie, and I, I'm with you. It's a very angry film. Um, it, it, it's also a film that I also, I honestly really do believe this. I, I truly believe it is one of the most perfect representations of America in 2017 today. And it is a symbol of what McDonough's hope is for the country as a whole, that we are an angry, hateful um, country right now that is failing miserably to find uh, understanding, love, and forgiveness in how we treat people and in the decisions that we make to try and ultimately make our lives better. Um, and you could say that it's contrived. You could say that the arc for Sam Rockwell character doesn't work. But th- through that lens, um, that earnest quality that he's trying to you know, communicate a message, um, I, I got to give it props uh, for that because I-, I just thought it was one of the most – brutally honest films of the year in that regard um and i say brutally honest because there are some moments in this movie where like the dramatic punches really really hit you in the gut um and it could go from hysterically funny one moment to uh that kind of a tone the next and i i do i I still i still think it's his best script i think it's better than in bruges um but there was you bite your tongue young man (laughs) i know (laughs) i I know like i said i know that there is a backlash and i know people think i'm absolutely insane about this but um i i i i'm telling you i'm gonna i'm gonna continue to defend this one i i Mm. all year long i will i i also think it's one of the most entertaining movies i've seen uh this year as well well, thank yeah. you for defending why people should vote yeah. for my list then. So I appreciate that. <laughs> I, I'm glad that you own it, though, Matt. Uh, that, yeah. That's why I was hoping that you would pick it, because I know that you are a defender of it. And, and I'm very much more in Brendan's camp. You know, ironically enough, as much as I appreciate the direction of the film and the performances, it, it is the script that I find so problematic. But that anger that seeps through every corner of the film is very much felt. And I can understand why people in 2017 would respond to that and why a lot of people I think can forgive some of those, those what I would call narrative flaws. But um, yeah, I mean, I I think it's a smart pick, Brendan. (laughs) So um, (laughs) fair enough to those that like it. I have to, yeah. Brendan, I have to give you major props for your uh, round one and your round five pick uh, lining up thematically in a great way. So, oh um, wow, uh, wow! I didn't even try that. So, thank you for calling that out. <laughs> very yeah. the, 2017. A lot of very in the moment movies. Like th- they really rest well in this yeah. year. Sure, this crazy fucking year that we've had. JD, you got the last pick of this draft, sir. Um, what are you going to go with to to end everything out? Can, can I just say before JD actually says yeah. his pick, can I just uh, quickly just say some potential titles that he could pick? I know, no, I know JD no, no, has no, it in no. mind, but can I just say no, what I think no, is on the table? No, no, no. Sure. Go for it. Let's no, not, no, no. Let's not, let's not influence him at all. I want him, I want to, 
I, oh, I, I, I already have my pick. I, all right, no all right. I'll tell you what. JD says it. his pick, and then I'll say what was left. <laughs> yeah, we got we, okay. we have honorable mentions that we can get to after JD uh, gets his pick out. So, okay, um, okay. Well, for my last pick, I'm actually going to do something that Brendan just did with three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. This is a film that I like. I don't love. It's not anywhere near my top twenty of the year, but. A lot of people do love it. A lot Justice of people League. love the performances of this film, in particular, its lead actor. Um, I'm going with the disaster artist. I knew it. Last <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> Action. I did not hit her. It's not true. It's bullshit. I did not hit her. I did not. Oh, hi, Mark. Yes! <laughs> I know a lot of people love this film, and James Franco, I would agree with all the praise that he's getting. He gives a remarkable, a fully committed performance uh, that is, man, spot on to Tommy Wiseau. And I think one, one of the aspects I really appreciate about the film is that I do think its heart is in the right place. I do think that James Franco wanted to honor Tommy Wiseau in this film that he made, and... Um, and, and I think he accomplished the love letter that he set out to make. And it's interesting hearing James Franco talk about Tommy and the room when he's promoting this movie, because it's such a James Franco thing to resonate with someone like this, uh, an artist who wanted to, you know, he wanted to make a film and he just happened to make one of the worst films of all time, but there was a passion to it. And then when you watch the room, you can sense that passion. And there's even uh, a Shakespearean tragedy aspect to it that you can feel just watching the room that I do think the disaster art taps into in some really interesting ways. Um, and, and I think in that regard, it is a very entertaining, entertaining experience and not just with Franco's performance, but Dave Franco, I think is very good here as well. Um, earlier, Matt, you mentioned Seth Rogen is in this film. He has some pretty incredible moments as well. Um, and, and yeah, it, it's a good film. I, I don't love it. Uh, but I'm not going to go into that cause I want people to pick. I'm glad people love it. So. <laughs> hey, if he doesn't look. love it, how can you love his team? Come on. <laughs> look, okay, for the sake, uh, okay, I think for the sake of <laughs> this conversation, I'll say I love the disaster artist. It's such Don't a great lie about movie. your feelings. You know them to be true. <laughs> I mean, can you uh, trust it, any of JD's picks now? I, I, I mean, that's the major question. So, but. Uh, JD, I agree with you. I, I love, I love, I don't want to say I love it. I, it's him. Like any time that, uh, Franco, James Franco is off the screen, the, the, the movie lose all, all of its steam. Cause there's really nothing outside of that one performance for me. Um, and I love the room. I, you know, I been to see it here in town several times, but mm-hmm. I just think Dave, I just, I just didn't see it with, with, with the other half with that relationship. So I, I, I thought it was a good movie. I, so. I, honestly, I think the problem is James Franco, at, at least for me, because Franco gives such he he, he is basically emulating Tommy Wiseau, mm-hmm. and Dave Franco is being Dave Franco, and right. that is a weird, jarring experience for two hours. <laughs> and it's the same thing with Seth Rogen and everyone else; they're basically playing themselves, and then you have Franco 
who was full on playing uh-huh. someone else. And that was kind of odd. <laughs> well, th- there you go. That's our last pick. So before we get to honorable mentions, let me read out our, our draft board here with everyone's picks. So I obviously got the, I think I've got the most <laughs> populous list here. I've got the last Jedi, it baby driver, I Tanya and Thor Ragnarok. Matt has call me by your name, blade runner, 2049, the big sick Coco and a ghost story. Brendan has Get Out, Lady Bird, War for the Planet of the Apes, Your Name, and Three Billboards Outside Evans, Missouri. JD has The Shape of Water, Dunkirk, Logan, The Florida Project, and The Disaster Artist. So there you okay. go, guys. Good job, everyone. It's nice. Good. For the record, I, I personally would have a hard time choosing like pick this group of films over the other yeah. <laughs> I know. yeah that, i mean we have some pretty good competition here yeah. there's been some great films in 2017 i think it's been a strong year what what uh honorable mentions were close to making your guys lists uh well because i wrestled with it so hard in my uh number five pick i'm i'm just gonna throw this out there uh I struggled so hard. And when I said, uh, you know, I feel like nobody has seen this film and this is why I didn't pick it. Uh, Phantom Thread is incredible. Dang oh, you for seeing can't it wait already. To see it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Daniel Day-Lewis, Leslie Manville, Vicky Kreeps. Oh, she is in my personal uh, five best actress lineup this year. And she matches Daniel Day-Lewis like step for step in this film. It, 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 wow. it just... It, it evokes such a quality of uh, something like Barry Lyndon while you're watching it, even though it's not like a historical like epic. Um, but just in the way it's shot, uh, the cinematography, um, the performances, the way he utilizes the music. Uh, Paul Thomas Anderson has created a film that feels like a classic film from the 70s or the 80s while you're watching mm-hmm. it. And in that regard, it feels timeless to me. Um, so that, that was one. And then, uh, the most divisive film of the year I was, uh, referencing before, uh, was mother. Uh, which uh that was, I, the one I know has that was the one I was talking about. Base. I was hoping you would go with that one too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I was like, I was like, do I do it? Should I do it? I, I know yeah. Jennifer Lawrence fans are out there. Yeah. But I think man, I, so I, many people hated this movie though. I, I would have yeah. been way too risk averse to do that. As much as I admire the film as well, I I, I would have been way too cautious about picking that. So I'm not saying you made the right move, but I understand why you didn't pick it because those yeah. that didn't like it, whew, don't get no. into a conversation with them. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was, that was that was one of my, that was the one of the ones that I was like, I want to pick this one, but I people will hate me if if I pick this because yeah. I love well, it. Uh, Chrissy, my wife, refuses to watch it because apparently there's been a hate campaign about that one scene in that movie, and she yeah. just refuses yeah. to even watch it because of that one scene. I'm like, but it's mm-hmm. it's, yeah. it's 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 not real. It's the like it's yeah. whatever. I, I, just, I what? my famous phrase for the year is I love Mother. Mother is amazing. Mother is in my top ten. I don't recommend Mother. <laughs> Yeah, like, it's hard like, to yeah, I'll keep yeah. all of his praise on it and I'll say how great it is. Um, but I famously, uh, well, in my mind, famously, I, I had somebody snap at me this year, um, like in person, uh, not not like over Twitter or anything, like in person, somebody snapped at me and said, you can say all the allegories, you can say all the metaphors, you can explain the shit out of this movie to me. This movie is 
garbage. And I was like, oh, you hey, can't talk I, to those I people. <laughs> I think that was my wife, and she hasn't wow. seen it again. So, yeah. Well, so, and, there's and just, just no winning with this movie when it comes to certain people. So. And Justin, Justin, you're already going to have to deal with that anyway because you picked The Last Jedi. So, good luck with that. Uh, <laughs> I, again, guys, uh, went with my heart with that one over my head. It's just too. Yeah. So, Another honorable mention for me is is one that I just watched recently, um, The Post. So, yeah, a mm. great movie, very of 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 our time now. Um, the reason yeah. I didn't pick it is it's got a weird uh, beginning and ending to a Spielberg movie. Like he has wonky beginnings a lot, but usually he finishes strong. And I just I don't know this one mm. did, just didn't end well. Uh, for me, did everyone okay. like you mean the, the fact like that it's the, a prequel to uh, yeah, yeah, all, all the, the president's, president's men. men? Yeah, the Nixon, the Nixon, the Nixon <laughs> universe of movies. Um, yeah. I, great. I, 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 I mean, for what it's worth, I like the post. I, I don't think it's a perfect film, but as yeah. far as a represent, representation of 2017, I much, much, much prefer it to Three Billboards Outside of Memphis. <laughs> <Sorry. laughs> Again, for what it's worth, for what it's worth. Um, what else do we got on the list, guys? Uh, Wonder Woman, um, obviously I, a big movie. In I, I was gonna maybe do Wonder Woman as like the popular movie. That, yeah, uh, I was so yeah, tempted. I, I was like, ah, oh, this this just feels right. But I don't know many uh, people that say Wonder Woman is like their number one favorite film of the year. Although a lot mm-hmm. of people like it. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I, I almost w- that was the one I was wrestling with uh, alongside Three Billboards as my fo- my number five pick was either between Three Billboards or Wonder Woman, and I went with Three Billboards simply mostly because of the uh, following that I think Three Billboards were ha- will have at the end of the day. But Wonder sure. Woman was the movie I was kind of wrestling along with it because yeah. I I, I think it's here. it's very good. Yeah. You know, it's very good. You know, it's another film, too, that um, actually surprised me this year with how much audiences really enjoyed it. And that's not to say I thought the film was bad by any means. I thought it was perfectly fine, and I thought it was solid. I just didn't, I didn't think it was, like, one of the year's best. But, uh, you know, this film did really well at the box office, and everyone I uh, put in front of it says that they like it, including my own parents, which is, like, some sort of a miracle in and of itself. And that's actually Wind River. Yeah. Uh-huh. That was another that, one I was considering. That, I, I still can't believe that that film made the money that it did and got the reception that it got, especially when you consider um, I thought it was the weakest of Taylor Sheridan's uh, scripts that he has written recently, uh, you know, Sicario and High Water mm, uh, being yeah. the other two. So, um, but yeah, I, I think that that movie just appealed on a very visceral but basic level. Like it didn't, you didn't have to work hard to understand what that movie was getting at. And, and it was very um, digestible, even though the subject matter was uh, still grim at times. Yeah. Well, a lot of people responded to it. You're stealing some of my thunder there because of Wind River, Wind River was very much an honorable mention for me when I was thinking about picking simply for those same reasons, Matt. Now it's a movie, again, I'm not the biggest fan of. I'm actually very mixed on the film. I think it is far and away the worst thing Taylor Sheridan has worked on. Uh, but at the same time, I know a lot of people have very much responded to it, so I almost consider it for those reasons. And then another movie which I saw... Uh, I was at Disney World earlier this year. I was asleep. No, everyone else was asleep in our hotel room, including my two kids and my wife. And I watched this movie on our laptop late at night. Raw. Did anyone else see oh, Raw? Yeah. Oh. Matt's a big fan. <laughs> I guess Matt really likes it. I love if, Raw. If, if you've seen Raw, you know why 
I know exactly where I was when I saw that movie. I'm like watching this. I'm like, I'm going to Disney World tomorrow. What the hell is this? And I'm like, this is crazy. <laughs> Great well, movie. Not though. a Disney film. film of the Not year. a Disney film. I <laughs> love uh, Anyone that we miss, guys? Any any other movies? Uh, yeah, I, I have mean, a few here. Um, I guess if we want yeah. to keep to maybe the comic book tradition, I know there's still some fans of Spider-Man Homecoming out there that we probably could have considered here. Mm-hmm. Uh, even in the realm of Netflix original movies, and I think they've had a string of pretty good films so far uh, this year, uh, Mudbound being one of them yeah. that has been getting a lot of acclaim. Now, I really like Mudbound. I don't love the film, mostly because of the, the some of the narrative structure of the first half, I think, is a bit messy. Uh, but I, I but I do think a lot of people love the film for its cultural significance, and I respect that about it. And even a movie yeah. like Okja from uh, Bong Joon-ho, yeah. I think, has had some carryover as well. Uh, maybe we look at some other films in the tradition of Mudbound, something like Catherine Bigelow's Detroit. I think there are some people that yes. do really like it. Yeah. I, I, I do big like fan. it. I don't love it, but I, I do really like it overall. But I know that there are other big fans of it out there like you are, Matt. So it's another one I definitely considered. And maybe for more of a of a personal statement of a pick, the fact that Ridley Scott was able to pull off the replacement of Kevin Spacey with C- Christopher Plummer and all the money in the world, I think is maybe an, enough fuel that I almost considered that film. But uh, again, mm. I think the quality of the film is maybe a different discussion. I think it's a very good film, and we'll get to that when we talk about that in this weekend show, J.D. Uh, yeah. But there are reasons that I almost consider it because of the political ramifications of what went behind it. Sure. And, and uh, as far as my honorable mentions, I, I just want to throw out some films that we haven't talked about, some smaller films that I think people should seek out from 2017. Um, Personal Shopper with Kristen Stewart is one I very yep. much recommend that I yep. hope people go and check out. Um, I don't, I, I, it still bothers me that Todd Haynes can make a film and nobody goes and sees it. But Wonderstruck thought- is, uh, I know you did, but uh, in, in a general <laughs> sense, a lot of people passed on Wonderstruck and I do hope that people go and seek it out. Mm. Um, the French film beats per minute um i wow what an experience that is please go and seek that out barry jenkins Um, is promoting it now too so hopefully he'll help out with that argument absolutely um a quiet passion is secretly one of the best films of 2017 that nobody's ever heard of and cynthia nixon Nixon. man it's it's the best comedy of the year it is hilarious. And while Sally Hawkins is going to get a lot of love for her performance in The Shape of Water, I would argue she's equally as good in a little film called Maudie with Ethan Hawke that is wonderful. So I, I wanted to throw that out there as well. Um, the Breadwinner we talked about earlier, there's a documentary that uh, went under the radar called Human Flow that I think speaks to where we stand with refugees in 2017 that is quite heartbreaking so I wanted to throw that out as an honorable mention as well and the last one I have here um, if you're a fan of uh, the Steve Coogan trip films please go see the trip to Spain if you yeah. haven't seen that as well that was quite a delight as well and arguably the best film of that series so far GD, I'm I'm very disappointed that you did not mention uh, my number one most underrated and most overlooked film of 2017. It hurts. It hurts so much. And is mm-hmm. it's Brigsby Bear. Oh, okay. Nice. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I, I like the film. I like Mark Hamill's performance in that film. Uh, or I guess one other one I'll throw out here real fast. You know, we've talked about a few animated films. Um, 
one that technically qualified, in fact, it was nominated at, at the Oscars, but was a 2017 for us, um, is a little um, indie film called The Red Turtle, um, which Ooh, is a yeah. brilliant, brilliant animated film. It's great. Um, that people should go and seek out as well. Awesome. Awesome. So great year, 2017 in film. We are going to put this draft board uh, up. So the, the episode comes out on Monday, January 1st. And then uh, the Wednesday after that, the draft board comes out, polls come out, and everyone at home listening uh, will be able to vote for their favorite list on Twitter and Facebook. So thank you guys for, for joining us. I know you guys were newbies, but mm-hmm. it, it, it was like you seamlessly integrated yourself into the draft. Even Matt, who was kind of wary about the draft going in. <laughs> Matt, you, you did a great job, Matt. Matt, where can we find you, uh, your podcast, your work online, sir? Yeah, you can find me at nextbestpicture.com. I'm on all of the social media networks at Next Best Picture. You can find my podcast, the Next Best Picture Podcast, on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, CastBox. You name it, we're pretty much on there, except Spotify. Trying to work on that one. JD mm-hmm. and Brendan are on Spotify. I'm sorry. Uh, We're working on it. In any event, though, if you're looking for any kind of uh, award season coverage, uh, which, by the way, is not a seasonal thing for us, we literally cover this 365 days a year. And uh, with the new year approaching, uh, our first film of the year, Insidious Chapter 3, Oscar potential? I don't know. We'll find out. (laughs) Probably not. And if it's Uh, any consolation, Matt, you guys should be on Spotify. I agree. Nice, and, nice. And and speaking of finding Matt, sometimes you can find him on our show, on the Incession <laughs> Film Podcast. He guests Gladly. from time to time. We have a bonus content segment dedicated just for Matt to keep us up to date with award stuff because he's not joking. He covers it literally every day of the year. So yeah. it, uh, <laughs> I think he gets one day off the day after the Oscars because he's recovering from what I'm sure is a nightmare of of a day staying up 24 hours straight and then after that he's on the grind again and it's impressive stuff he is yeah matt matt do you have a movie pass i saw you pay for 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 your last ticket of the year do you use movie pass or are you one of those anti-movie pass people oh oh sir sir you clearly don't know matt neglia um <laughs> i did not pay uh to see all the money in the world i just thought it'd be funny if i held up all the cash that was in my uh ah. in my wallet uh, for the photo there you go. That it's all the money in the world. Um, <laughs> I yeah, I have Movie Pass. I also have a few theater chain hookups uh, that allow for me to uh, get in for free, and uh, I do have some you know other connections in the New York City area. So I mean, very very rarely do I actually paid to go to movies. I'm, I'm, I'm getting everybody to hate me right now. I don't want to do that. Um, <laughs> yes. Hate on that, guys. Bottom line, hate on that bottom line is I, I am privileged. I, I, I am humbled and honored uh, to uh, get this uh, ability to see uh, so many great movies. Um, I, I pay for it with my time, you know, and I, and I, and I mm-hmm. make an effort, a conscious effort because I realize that, you know, I'm trading in money for time to put in as much time as uh, life will allow me to do so for the, for the entertainment and the betterment of others so that they know um, what to decide to go see at the movie theater then as a result. Nice. Matt, Matt's out fighting the good fight, guys. So uh, he is. Check, And losing sometimes, believe check. me. The emoji movie still haunts me. 
I said that because 2017 has also been the year of movie pass for me. It's kind of uh, I, I don't get to go to the theater as much, but as Matt knows, uh, here in LA, the the theater prices are so much it pays for itself with one movie for me. So uh, it's been yeah. huge. Um, Brendan and JD, you, you said that Matt's Matt can be found on your show. Where can we find you guys in In Session Film online? Uh, you can find everything at our central hub, InSessionFilm.com. There we got links to social media. You can find our podcast there as well. Um, but you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, as Matt said, Spotify as well. So we're all over the place. <laughs> Just search In Session Film on your app and we're probably there. So, yeah. Um, and like I said, you can find everything at InSessionFilm.com. Yeah, and if you want to follow us individually, you can find our individual Twitter handles, myself at Brendan J. Cassidy, and JD, yours is at Real JD Duran, if I'm not mistaken. So yes. you can find yes. us there individually as well. Awesome. And the, these guys in sessions also part of the Podfix Network. Yes. Uh, yes. With, with, with our Podfix, you go to podfixnetwork.com. Find us, find uh, In Session Film, find several other podcasts to follow in the new year of 2018. Um, myself, uh, you can find our podcast, So I Married a Movie Geek, um, pretty much any podcast, uh, podcatcher online, including Spotify. We're newly on Spotify as well, but mostly mm-hmm. Apple Podcasts, Podbean, SoundCloud, um, but stay tuned next week. We, we're gonna, we'll have our first movie review episode of the year. But I want to thank Matt, Brendan, and JD for joining me in celebrating the year mm-hmm. of 2017. Thanks, guys, for joining me. You were awesome, all of you. And I, I you. hope I hope yeah. to have all you guys back on on a future draft if you're up for it. Yeah, yeah. I would we'll definitely I would love to, to be back. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I don't this know. I, I'm not so sure how much fun this was for me. I, I might have to sit this one next one. No, uh, you I'm are a prick, man. <laughs> Once you got your you got your first one under your belt, the the, the next rest of them are going to be you know fun, more fun, you know, more exciting. Um, but again, thank you guys for joining me. Again, thank you everyone for listening at home. Happy New Year! I'm looking forward to uh, talking more movies with you in 2018. It's getting late here, so we'll let you go. Thanks a lot. See you next week. This was a podcast from the Podfix Network. You can check out more shows like it at podfixnetwork.com.